Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the new episode of Real World Education Podcast. Our mission here is to challenge and change the education system using an inside-out approach, and we hope that you become a better leader and a producer rather than just a student or an employee. Our aim here is to interview industry experts and leaders each week with the hope that you can come to the realization that life is so much more than what is being currently taught to us by the society and the education system and we hope that this podcast provides you with inspiration with motivation and actionable insights so that you too can not only challenge and change the status quo but also create your own definition of success. Hi, Elena, and uh, welcome to the show. It's a pleasure to have you here. And, you know, it is so good to have you in person because, uh, as I mentioned, you know, I've been alone in India for eight months. And then when I even come here, there's still restrictions of having people over. But having actually someone, you know, in person is much nicer and much more personalized. So without further ado, uh, would you like to sort of introduce yourself a bit? My name is Elena Akaragimova. I come from a background of education and academia. I've been in the UAE for seven years. Prior to that, I worked in various organizations, institutions around the uh, USA as well as the Middle East. Had the pleasure to visit over 13 different countries for recruitment purposes, nice. education purposes. So I'm very passionate about education and, and understanding kind of you know what's what's next and what are the similarities mm-hmm. around the world mm-hmm. and um, and just preparing the future generations essentially. And in recent years, I've gotten into a little bit, a bit of a business. So I've started a company co-founded a, a startup as well within the productivity and well-being space and uh, so and here we are having a chat about future of education that's awesome you know future of education to me it's such an interesting topic because uh, it's uh, uh, the thing is I've started to learn more and more and the more I learn the more I see the benefits of the uh, you know the shaping the future from from right here right now so you know it, it is often said that you know we should look at the past in order to sort of know the future and uh, I'm sure you must have come across this post this was by Prince EA where he was uh, comparing say a phone to phone 100 years back to phone now a car 100 years back to car now and uh, when you look at the classroom 100 years back to classroom right now it's almost the same thing so uh, you know it's true for the entire education system I think you know it is outdated so there's no doubt about it anymore and uh, as a result of this outdatedness I think it leads to a loss of creativity there is no personalized learning and uh, the biggest issue I have personally is there's a, a big disconnect between what the theory is and what the real applications of the theory are. So, you know, the, between the real world and the theory that universities claim to teach, there's a big disconnect. So in your sort of say personal and professional opinion, what are some of the steps uh, that can sort of be taken to ensure that upcoming generations, your kids, your grandkids, uh, you know, they don't have to go through the same education system as uh, 
we did. Mm. Uh, it's interesting that you mentioned about the theory part. So I think it's important to also understand that w- when education got started, in fact, so yes, there w- it was meant to sort of teach that theory, right? Mm-hmm. Academia, right? And it wasn't necessarily meant to prepare you for the real world. But what we had, though, in the like as the 1950s and 60s, we had apprenticeships. So you go, you learn theory, mm-hmm. and then it's mandatory that you go and you work with that craftsman or that doctor literally right after your studies on almost daily basis this is what you did you had mm-hmm. apprenticeships mm-hmm. so somehow along the way we've lost that <laughs> and now we're just focusing on theory mainly mm-hmm. so and um, so I think that's important to remember because again it's a, you know it higher education and education in general say it's a business at the end of the day it's a business it is a big industry it's a huge industry right at the end of the day and um, and should it prepare us uh, for the you know for the future of work uh, that's that that's a big question for everybody right because that's that's the kind of debate right now happening in higher education but at the end of the day if you look at it as a business if you want to survive it as a business you need to make sure that you're offering something competitive so when it comes to educational institutions, right, I see three responsible parties. Number one is the individual, of course, mm-hmm. and that can include the uh, parents as well as so the family environment, right? Like what are your parents doing to, to sort of provide you those that support outside of your regular studies? Then we have the institutions, so the university or the school, mm-hmm. and then we have the corporations. Mm-hmm. So all three really need to work together. And right now, the way it works is none, none of us are working together. Everybody is operating at their own sort of silos right Mm -hmm. so it's about bridging that gap like how do we bridge that gap between these three parties essentially Mm -hmm. Um, because it doesn't work if if, you know if one of them is missing it's 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 a full package Mm -hmm. essentially so so basically what you're saying is that if we can create uh, relationships uh, relationships between say individuals say students and parents and teachers and the overall system and there is a synergy involved then uh, we can see some change we can hope to see some change Absolutely. And when it comes to um, uh, institutions as well, what's happening a lot now is that there's a huge push for, uh, you know, student engagement and, and these sorts of things. It's always been there. Like the whole uh, the experience that you get on campus is like very rich. And this is what it's all about. They make yeah. it like this is what it's all about, you know, that that interactions and those events. But what they're missing is, a, is an important part, which is the real world experience. Yeah. And right now, if you look at even institutions in, in this part of the world or anywhere in the world like I've been telling I've been to like over 13 countries visiting higher education institutions speaking with parents and students and I can tell you that majority do not ask for more than a couple of internships before students graduate Another example, I was speaking at a big uh, university here, a well-known university, not to name, name names, but one of the really quality universities. And I was giving a talk about the future of work and, mm-hmm. and I asked the people in the class, and there was about 70 students there, and I asked them how many of them have done an internship. And mind you, these are juniors and seniors. A handful raised their hand. At junior and senior level, they have not yet done an internship, volunteered, they have not had real world experience. Like, what have you been doing? You know what I mean? And so it's no longer enough. Mm-hmm. And it's not about like, you know, sort of disrupting the higher education. It's about if you want to survive as an institution, which means your business, you still need to make mm-hmm. money. You need to offer alternatives, sure. right? So you need to, or have some kind of alternative uh, education. And at the end of the day, four year degrees is not for everybody, mm-hmm. right? So sure. it needs to start as early as school. So. 
Um, I'll pause here. You want to say something? I feel like you want to say something. Uh, yeah. So basically, you know, what 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 really fascinated me is, as I said, you know, we learn from our past, and you mentioned in past we used to with the education education was supplemented with real world uh, experience and for some reason we've uh, forgotten that and what happens is when you go to university as you said uh, these juniors and uh, seniors they a very handful of them raise their hands whether they've done an internship but what happens is when you enter the workforce when you enter the workplace uh, employers ask for like three, four years of, say, leadership experience from like fresh graduates. So how there's such a I think the entire system is uh, it's even hard to explain that there's something that students think is true. And then when they enter the real world. So I have a question for this as well. But because we're talking about this, I interviewed uh, Jeff Baito, and he works with a lot of HR departments. And he asked them, how much do you think, because every university, you know, they pride themselves in, um, you know, our graduates are the most employable ever. And then he works with a lot of HR, and they, they're, they're like, no, they're not. You know, if you, universe, if you ask a university, they're like, okay, our students, they're nine out of 10 employable ready. And the HR departments go like, no, they're not. They're like three or four and we have to train them. So there's such a big disconnect between what the universities think is true and between what the reality is. Uh, and absolutely, and and, um, and to be fair, it's not easy. Like, it's not an easy problem to solve, right? Uh, That's what everybody's sure. talking about. So on the, so it's, there, there's certain gaps that need to be filled. So on your university side, on the university and also parents side, parents need to play a role in this because mm -hmm. oftentimes, you know, when I spoke with parents, they say, you know, but no, my, my son or daughter, they're studying and it's already a lot. What do you mean it's a lot? How, how many hours do you spend in university every week? Like how much, like how much are you actually putting into the study? Like and then you cannot study like all of theory about economics, no, right? No, no, Like study what you need to study, right? And then implement it. So I think that it's just it's it's not acceptable anymore that all we're doing is studying. Mm -hmm. It's not enough. You need to study from from a freshman year. You need to be studying, and then you need to be doing volunteer. You need to try things. It doesn't mean it's going to be your career. Experiment, experiment, experiment. You need to understand, you know, uh, what is it that you're good at essentially? Because the funny part is that we ask students, and I was asked this when I was studying at the age of 19. You know, my advisor was like, "Well, what do you want to do?" And I'm like, "I don't." Want I'm gonna have for dinner tonight. You want me to do? You want me to figure out what I want to do? True. And the funny thing is that what I wanted to do didn't exist. So what I wanted to do is he asked me, so what do you enjoy? And I said, you know, I really enjoy talking to people, like to learn different cultures. I'm not a nine to five behind the desk mm -hmm. person, you know, and I would love to travel and, and you know, I just want to have do something interesting. There was no major that fit that criteria. Mm -hmm. And so I chose international studies after changing five times my major. And, and the funny part is that, and then I've had about 17 different jobs, which is a whole story on its own, because I've experimented everywhere, right? And, and then, so today what I do, in fact, is I talk to a lot of people, I, I help them in some way with their career development, right? I create products and services to help others. I travel the world, at least pre-COVID, right? And I learn about different cultures and how can we best sort of cater to our clients around the world. So, and, but there was no major for that, you sure. know? So, so at the end of the day, like as universities and institute, like a, a university students and parents, we need to understand that we need to get experience. It doesn't need to be this formal internship. It can be a volunteer. It could sure. be hands, whatever it is, anything, job shadowing, anything on the, on the uh, company side, 
Another thing they need to tackle is the fact that HR is overwhelmed. A lot of HR, L&D departments, um, there are some good ones that create these sort of uh, opportunities for students to come and really explore their offices and the way of life at, at work, etc. But majority do not, and that's because they're overwhelmed, um, and it's usually not a priority, and it needs to be a priority. Just as for institutions, career development needs to be a priority, for companies, uh, a talent, that talent development, that talent um, uh, uh, recruitment really needs to be priority beyond what they're doing right now. Sure. So. True. So, you know, you mentioned that uh, everyone is on their different thing. And I think as a society, we all know there is a flaw in the education system I'm talking about. And to fix the flaw, we often blame the first one to get blamed is the student and then the teachers and then the parents and then finally the government. Right. But, you know, I personally believe that the way to change education system is uh, using an inside out approach. So instead of asking the system to change and waiting for the system to change, why don't we ask the students to change? And I personally believe this can happen if they, there is a synergy between, say, uh, a formal education and personal development. The, as you meant, rightly said, most people don't know what they want to do, right? And I think that's because we, uh, even in the education system, we've sort of forgotten our values, what we stand for. And as a result, when you enter the real world, you know, no one's going to handhold you then. You, you have to choose for yourself. As a result, you know, you're always confused. Right. So what I want to ask is how might we design, say, the modern learning experiences where students are sort of encouraged to take charge their, of their own learning? Sure. So I think it's important to also recognize that although many people are not sure what they want to do, usually what happens is that it's not that you don't know what you want to do. It's that there's no box that fits you when it comes to university or corporate career. Mm -hmm. Meaning that when we go into universities, we are com continuously told that the hot majors today are A, B, C, and D, right? Or, I mean, business administration is yeah. still one of the top, it's like the number one most popular major. That's how I made, sorry, but that's how I made my university decision. I googled most paying majors and most paying courses, management was up there. So I was like, oh, you might as well do it. Exactly. But, but, and, and that's, that's a problem because, uh, well, it's not a problem. It's, it's, if that's what you want to do, beautiful. But at the end of the day, we cannot judge our future career based on a salary because at the end of the day, yes, can you can, uh, do lawyers and doctors make more? Does everybody need to be a lawyer? No. Can everybody be all these, you know, or top engineers? No. Uh, right. So it's, it's also being very clear about what is it that, what is the innate in you and what is it that you are interested in? Because what happens is if we are going towards something we really dislike, it's going to drain us. We can learn, we can learn, but it's going to drain us. So it's important to understand, but because there's not a lot of majors for the future and that's why like the companies like Google now they're introducing their own sort of you know six yeah. month courses etc all right and and the Coursera's of this world if you want to learn you'll learn and you'll mm -hmm. get the skill set right so if the university degree or if your parents are saying listen go to finance because you're always going to find a job right so our parents mean the best for us so the challenge here is also the parents and their fears of not having their child be stable which makes sense stable in terms of life and career mm -hmm. and finances right which is important but it's important to understand that if you're able to figure out what is it that you're good at, right? What is it that you enjoy, which value, what you need to learn, mm -hmm. and then create sort of, you can almost create a position for you, for mm -hmm. yourself. And with the world of gig economy and startups, and, and that's kind of the route that we're going, there's gonna be more opportunities. 
Um, so on that side, uh, we, we need to really focus on that. Um, I, I think that's, that's the missing piece. And uh, coming back to your question, uh, I apologize, I went off a bit, but uh, coming back to your question in terms of how can we... Uh... Design, say, you know, modern learning environments where, I mean, in school, how do we study? We study what the uh, structure tells us to do. We have a curriculum, right? And that's all we study. And the curriculum is so heavy, it's so intense that you, students don't have time to uh, study something else. Something. So if my sister, for example, she wants to be a psychologist, right? Uh, but her studies are so intense that she doesn't have time to follow her passion, which is her art. So what I'm asking is how can we create a system where, you know, a self-learning is not only, it's encouraged, basically. Mm. Uh, so a good question. Uh, number one, I think it's about making time mm -hmm. as well. So studies can be intense by all means, but it's about making time because there's a lot of people that are studying full time, mm -hmm. working uh, part time. So in, in part like in Europe and the, U in the US, I myself, I've been working since I was 15. I was always studying, I've always had a job mm -hmm. and it was not a problem. Like I did just fine, you know, and so did a lot of my peers. Mm -hmm. You know, so I think it's a lot. It's about, again, how do we find that balance? How do you balance? Because, again, you can study psychology or any degree, but then you need to at some point you need to say, wonderful, I'm going to focus on this. But if you're studying alone is not going to get you there. But if you try to say, what do I need to know to fulfill my requirements for this class? And then now I need to apply this. I need to make time. Right, and it's and, and you're absolutely correct that we just need to learn how to learn. Mm -hmm. Most times we don't know how to learn because what are we taught in schools? Memorize, study this, we're taught what to learn, which is why we find ourselves in situations where we don't have time, we're overwhelmed with study. Mm -hmm. No, we need to figure out a way that works because studying all of a particular major is not gonna benefit you in your career. You cannot, your brain does not, uh, it cannot hold that much information, right? Or retain so much, but you know what it holds? You study a little bit here, you work a little bit here, you try. It's a combination, you need to make time. And mm -hmm. so universities need to make time and make it a requirement uh, to where some of the credit hours, not just to an internship in your junior, your senior year, no. Listen, go study what you need to study. They can even study on their own, mm -hmm. right? You don't need a lecture. Now you can do learn anything online. Mm -hmm. yep. So as a university, how are you gonna provide them an opportunity to first teach them how to learn versus telling them what to learn, exactly. right? So, and this is the disconnect. So it's almost not the student's fault because students at the end of the day, yes, they need to take responsibility, but we don't know what we don't know. We have blind spots as humans continuously, which is why the whole idea of mentoring helps, experimenting, because we don't know. You need to be curious. And universities and parents need to encourage that curiosity. When you encourage curiosity, then you say, I wonder what else I can try. And then that builds resilience, that builds character. It's, it's, it's a full snowball effect from there. True. So uh, that's wonderful advice. So, you know, just a follow up question on the, the self-learning. So I'm, as you know, is a, I'm a big believer of like, you know, continuous learning. But we often make the mistake of as soon as we graduate from university, we stop learning and we get into the whole nine to five, uh, say the routine, right? So my question would be, so, you know, in such a competitive world, being able to learn continuously obviously provides you with uh, learning new skills, provides you with a competitive edge, right? So can you sort of explain the difference between education and learning? And uh, what are some of the ways uh, through which, um, say, people can become lifelong learners? Sure. Um, and. 
Uh, very, very good point, actually. And uh, a funny example here. So. Uh, part of my work is I actually deliver soft skills leadership development sessions to mid-level professionals. So part of my career development practice is working within education space, but also with mid-level professionals. And I am continuously astonished that when I speak with people that are mid-level career, so 35, 40 year olds, you know, you know, X number of years of experience, you've reached to a certain level. And you know we're talking about topics like know, growth mindset or emotional intelligence, right? you know those sort of hot and trendy topics for the future. You'd be surprised how many it is the first time they're talking about these topics. It is the first time they're talking about these topics, and isn't everybody know? But it's a majority. It's the majority of the workforce, which is why majority of the people are not satisfied in their jobs is because we don't pause. And we don't continuously learn. And that's why the mid-level is the hardest level to break to senior level. And you know why they don't, many don't make it to the senior level? Because they don't make time to learn. So how do you actually make time to learn? Number one, you should stay on top of what is coming up in your industry. Uh, looking at, you know, just understanding what's happening and reading, reading the room essentially in your, in your world of work, right? So staying on top of the news, like, you know, reading as something as Business Insider, right? Some, you know, the, uh, the uh, Harvard Business Review articles, the McKinsey reports, the BCG reports, they give a lot of information about what might be coming up. You can start to see trends. Nobody's going to tell you because nobody knows. Nobody really knows what's going to happen. But we know that technology is going to be something that we need to, we need to focus on. We know that certain industries are going to die down. Others are going to come up. We know these things. You get this from future work reports as basic, like just starting with that is enough. Another one is surrounding yourself with people that you aspire to as well, right? So, and, and it doesn't need to be that face-to-face. -face. It could be, you know, those podcasts, like, like right, listening to podcasts, educating yourself, getting different perspectives, right? Versus being in the same circle, going clocking in, clocking out, avoiding being fired, and then Netflix and chill all day, you know what I mean? So it's for on weekends where, you know, we're spending our time, like, what are you spending your time on? That's, this is the question we need to ask ourselves. Like, what are we spending our time on? And, and there's a lot of, with access to information and resources and people, and especially in parts like like in the Middle East, like it's easier to connect with people because of the culture. It's a little bit more uh, approachable, right? In a sense. So, who are you spending your time? What are you spending your time on? Because you don't know what you don't know. None of us do. We all, like I said, we all have blind spots. So we need to surround ourselves. We need to get out of our comfort zones because it's unacceptable to me that the age of thirty-five or forty or and older, we have not discussed. You've never taken something about emotional intelligence or or understanding the importance of cultural intelligence in a workplace or understanding of behavioral psychology. So as a leader in an organization, if you don't understand the behavioral psychology and if you don't have self-awareness, like self-awareness, self-awareness, if you don't have self-awareness as a leader, mm -hmm. we have a problem. We have a major problem. <laughs> so, yeah, you know, what's interesting is you just mentioned uh, how our mind learns. You know, we're not very good at keeping in information. But what happens is when you start reading these different, say you're reading Business Insider, you're reading Forbes, you're reading some other journal, you're reading some study. What will happen is your mind will store just a little bit of information and over a period of time, you'll start seeing insight, which not a lot of people will see. And that's you being able to remove your blind spot. 
and that's very interesting to me. Yeah, thank you, thank you for 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 clarifying. That's a very important point because when I when people say, well, you should read, and then they think that if they read for like a month or they read a couple <laughs> books, it's going to you don't even know sometimes the impact it's going to have. But you need to stay on top of what's happening in your industry. You need to be um, you need to be a sort of forward thinker, right? So proactive. That's the word I'm looking for. Proactive. We are reactive. Like now, many people who got left without jobs and made redundant right around the world they many of them found themselves that they can only do one thing and that's not enough anymore that's a big issue i i personally know people say this uh, this individual it's a family friend of ours they were in banking and that's all they knew like they got fired and now they're moving back to india so the life has gone from being fairly well off to being, you know, retreating back to say now wherever they're going. It's just because they weren't able to adapt and they weren't able to. Uh, the point is you should, I'm not saying you need to be jack of all trades, but at least have more than, don't put all your eggs in one basket. That's, you know, the easiest way to sort of put it. Hi there, and thank you so much for listening to this episode of Real World Education Podcast. For part two, tune in this Friday. If you enjoyed the show, please consider leaving us a review on Apple Podcasts as that's the best way to support us. If you think that this can help your loved ones, please don't be shy and just share it with them as word of mouth is another great way to support us. Follow me on LinkedIn by simply searching for my name, Rajdeep Singh. I'm doing a 52-week challenge where I'm going to be posting a new video each week. You can also follow me on Instagram at rajdeep.1997 or on Spotify by searching for my name. Until next time, this is your host, Rajdeep Singh, signing off.